If you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn to Second uh, Peter and the third chapter? Second Peter three sixteen. Well, verse 15 goes with it. He says, uh, account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. You know, the Bible talks about uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And then he talked about that uh, strong meat belonged to those that were of full age, those that were mature. So the Word of God is compared to food, natural food, and there's a wide range of food. There's, you know, milk is food, but steak is food. But uh, milk, you can just swallow with no effort, but you can't just swallow steak. You have to chew it. And that's what he says, some things that are hard to be understood. That doesn't mean they're not good things. It just means you can't just swallow them. You have to chew on them and meditate on them. And he said, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle with. They rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Look at the Amplified on that, please. The Amplified says... uh, the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue uh, the things that, you know, Paul said in his epistles to their own utter destruction, just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. So obviously there are those who twist scriptures, who misconstrue, who distort and misinterpret what the word says, and they do it to their own destruction. Look at the next verse, uh, verse 17. He said, let me warn you therefore, knowing these things beforehand, that you should be on your guard. Say it out loud, be on your guard. Uh, About what? Be on your guard about what? About these folk that are twisting the scriptures and misinterpreting them, lest you should be carried away by the error of lawless and wicked and fall from your own firm condition and your own steadfastness of mind. If you hear the rightly divided word of truth, it will cause you to become more and more persuaded. It cause you to become, like Dave was talking about, more and more confident and assured. But if you hear the wrong thing, even though you might have started out with some persuasion and confidence, you listen to the wrong thing, you can let people talk you out of your faith and begin to question what you previously were confident about. And that is a very dangerous thing. That's how the devil has been able to even through use preachers and use Christians to rob people of their faith. So... uh uh, even though somebody's using the Bible and somebody's using scriptures, that doesn't mean what they're saying and what they're deriving from it and what they're deducing from it is right. A lot of people have twisted the scriptures. So touching on one area where people have misunderstood and misinterpreted and misapplied, and it has to do with questions about healing. So let's go to some things that uh, we've answered some questions about. Does God make people sick? 
And we recently uh, dealt with the issue of being sick for the glory of God. And I want to talk tonight about suffering for the Lord. Suffering for the Lord. Is there a doctrine of suffering in the scriptures? You know, there are whole groups of people that basically what they preach is perfection through pain. And this is much more widespread than you might think. As you begin to hear, I mean, even some main and well-known denominations preach different forms of it and different versions of it. And uh, you'll hear people, you know, ministers telling their people that have been diagnosed with terrible diseases and terminal diseases. Well, you know, uh, uh, if it's the Lord's will to heal, that would be great. But if some way he would get more glory, you know, in this and if he could maybe lead somebody to the Lord through this or, or he could do this or that, you know, you just, you just want to suffer for the Lord if that's what pleases him. And people, they feel like they have scriptures for this. And so let's look at these scriptures and let's see if some people are actually twisting some of these and coming to some wrong conclusions and what the word actually says about suffering for the Lord. Look in Philippians, the, the first chapter. Philippians chapter 1. Our question right now is, is there a teaching of suffering for the Lord in the scriptures? Is it real? Is it right? And then what does it mean? Philippians 1 and uh, 29. One twenty-nine says, it is unto you it is given in behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also to what? To suffer for his sake. Not only are we to believe on the Lord Jesus, but it's given us to also suffer for his sake. Well, that's what it says. Does it mean what it says? (laughs) We love the word, don't we? We believe, whether you understand it or not, the word's good. And it's right. And so we don't, you know, so many people, they have their beliefs. And they have a couple of scriptures here and there that they can quote backwards and forwards. But they pretty much leave the rest of the Bible alone. And anything that seems like it contradicts what they believe, they don't like to hear it and they don't want to talk about it. They want to just stay away from it because, no, that seems like it contradicts what I believe. No, all of the word agrees and all of the word is right and good. And we don't need to hide from any scriptures. The Bible said it's given to us not only to believe on the Lord, but also to suffer for his sake. Is that true? It's true. Now, what we need to find out is what does that mean? (laughs) Because you got too many people that are willing to just stop there and fill in the blanks. (laughs) and just concoct all these doctrines. While we're talking about that, we we need to emphasize this. Beware of filling in the blanks. Oh, it's easy to do. I said, it's easy to do. People say, well, the Lord said this, and maybe that's exactly what he said. So that must mean this, and that can be completely off the wall. (laughs) Well, he said this, So obviously that's that. No, no. You can be way off base 
in what you assume that it means. So uh, uh, this is true and right. But let's let the other scriptures tell us what it means. Here's another verse. Romans 8, 17. They'll put it up on the screen for us. You don't necessarily have to turn to all these. Romans 8, 17 says, If we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. That we may be also glorified together. That's New Testament. That's Romans. Are we word people or not? Then do we believe this verse too? Yeah. Then the Bible teaches about a suffering uh, with him. A suffering for his sake. And a suffering with him. And here you see the idea that we may be also glorified together. And in a few moments we're going to get over to the... uh, Epistle of First Peter. And if you haven't seen this before, sometime read First Peter through carefully and underline everywhere that it says or note where everywhere it says suffer or everywhere it says glory. Suffer or glory. And you'll see that the whole epistle is dealing with that subject. And that there's a connection between suffering and glory. Now I know that so called word and faith people don't like to hear stuff like this. But the word is right. The word is good. And we need to understand it. And this, some people, some people take these verses and they say, well, yeah, that's why I'm suffering from diabetes. That's why I'm suffering being broke. That's why I'm suffering being depressed and, and, you know, down and confused and defeated. Well, is that true? We know he said there's a suffering for him. But beware of filling in the blanks. Suffering why? And suffering how? And suffering what? Don't just throw stuff in the blanks. Let the Bible fill in the blanks. Of how you suffer and what you suffer. And why? So uh, let let me read you another one. These are uh, New Testament. New Testament scriptures. 2 Timothy 2 and 8. Well, actually, for time's sake, I'll just read verse 12. 2 Timothy 2.12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. <laughs> Do you want to reign with him? Do you want to experience his glory? Then according to the New Testament, there's going to be some suffering connected with that and involved in that. How many think that as charismatic people, word of faith people, we haven't heard enough about this? People have ignored this and acted like it wasn't there because they they were concerned that it undermined that their teaching we don't have to suffer being broke and sick that they they thought well that contradicts what well if it does you need to correct it huh if that is true do you understand truth can withstand the most intense scrutiny you don't have to be afraid. Of examining truth. Oh the word of the Lord. Has been purified. And it's been perfected. And though heaven and earth will pass away. It will never pass away. Nothing can damage it. Nothing can do away with it. Or destroy it. It will take the greatest scrutiny. The greatest pressure. Examine it. 
Put pressure on it. If it's truth, it'll be right there when you get through. If you're scared it's going to crumble and fall away, then you need to lose it anyhow. It's not truth. You don't need to be building your life on it. And if it is truth, it will be in agreement with the other scriptures, which are truth. Truth always agrees with other truth. Now, uh, Acts 9. Acts 9 and 15. The Lord said to Paul, excuse me, uh, Ananias, when he told him to go minister to Paul, he said, go your way, for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16. For I will show him what? How great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So suffering for his sake, suffering for his name's sake, Suffering for him and with him are legitimate New Testament teachings. Aren't they? They're New Testament. They're Bible verses. We don't need to knock them. We don't need to try to uh, downplay them or minimize them. They're truths. And they're right. First Peter says this. First Peter 5 and 10. It says, but the God of all grace... Who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you've suffered a while. (laughs) Make you perfect. Establish. Strengthen. Settle you. So there is a legitimate New Testament teaching. Of suffering and perfection. We could give you other scriptures. But we've, you know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, it's established. There is a teaching. There is a doctrine. Put that scripture back up for us again, please. After that you've suffered a while, the Lord make you perfect. That's mature and complete. The Lord establish you. The Lord strengthen you. The Lord settle you. When? After what? (laughs) After you've suffered a while. Now, I know your flesh don't want to hear that. (laughs) But the Bible is right. That's how it works. That's how it's going to work. But like we've already said, let's don't fill in the blanks as to what that means. Let's let the Bible teach us. I want us to ask two questions now. Suffer why? And then we're going to ask a question and answer it from the Bible. Suffer exactly what? Exactly what are we suffering? Not what you think. Not what somebody else said. What the Bible says. Can you see that's where people get in trouble? By just taking a piece of a verse. And then coming up with all these ideas. And filling in the blanks. And imagining this. And then people get up and teach it for a couple of hundred years. And people think it's truth. But I don't care if it's me. Or whoever your pastor or preacher or wherever that you've been fed and blessed by. Don't accept anything that anybody says just because they said it. Check this book on every part. I can't emphasize that enough. Every, just because somebody says it. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is. Just because somebody says it doesn't make it true. Anybody, even though they might be full of the word and know the Lord, they don't know everything. 
And even Paul, with all of his experience, he said, we know in part. Well, see, it's the part you don't know that can be a problem. Right? And you can come to some wrong conclusions and assume some stuff. And maybe innocent. You, you don't mean to be saying something wrong, but you just, because of all the gaps in your knowledge, you come to a wrong conclusion and fill in the blank, and you're wrong. If you'll grow with the Lord and keep feeding on the Word, that's one reason we encourage you. Read your chapter. Read your chapter every day. Because you got to have something as a standard. To measure everything by. And if you're ignorant of the word. You're easily deceived. Easily misled. Easily duped. But the more full of the word you are. Then it's hard for the devil to deceive you. And trick you. Because something, even though it sounds logical. And it sounds reasonable. And it looks obviously like that's the way it is. You'll think of three scriptures. Why that can't be right. <laughs> and it makes you safe. Makes you strong. It protects you. Can you see this? So uh, let's ask and answer the question, suffer why or for why? Go to 1 Peter. We mentioned that 1 Peter is full of the subject on suffering, but also glory, suffering and glory. 1 Peter 2, I want us to read, uh, read a couple of passages in here because this will answer the question as to why. People are suffering. Is this important tonight? Mm. (laughs) The libraries are just shelf after shelf of writings of philosophers and educators and from different religions and all kinds of theorizing on why people suffer. The suffering of humanity. But again, folks, just their own ideas and filling in the blanks. The Bible tells you exactly what's going on. First Peter, the second chapter, first Peter two, and let's begin down in about verse, uh, 19. He said, this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief Suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it. If when you be buffeted for your faults. You shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it. You take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Now we're going to see this repeated. And made more clear as we go. But you see here two causes for suffering. And we need to know the difference and distinguish them. One is suffering because of your conscience before the Lord. And you'll find out that this is also called suffering according to the will of God. But there's another cause of suffering and it's called suffering for your own faults. And it's not according to the will of God. And it's not connected with glory. Am I reading scripture? Okay. Verse 21, here until you were called. Well, for time's sake, I won't, uh, I'm going to come back to that later. Go to the third chapter 
and the uh, 14th verse. He said, but and if you suffer for righteousness sake. Now, do you hear the Bible answering the questions why we're suffering? Why are we suffering? For righteousness sake. If, if that's why you're suffering. Happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror and don't be troubled. Next verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Next verse. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you, accuse your good conversation in Christ. Now here you begin to, uh, we're jumping ahead almost to the next part now. What are they suffering? People are speaking evil of them. People are falsely accusing them. Can you see this? Verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for what? For well doing. Suffer for doing something good. Rather than for evil doing. Oh, do you see this? Are there, is he, is he distinguishing between two reasons why people are suffering and two causes why people are suffering? Skip down to the fourth chapter now. The fourth chapter and the first verse. He said, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that is suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Here you see that putting your flesh under and not yielding to uh, desires and personal agendas is going to cause you some suffering. This is a suffering of not getting to do what you want to do. <laughs> a suffering of not getting your way. And if you do that enough, the Bible talks about you having a breakthrough that you no longer live your life as a slave to your emotions and your feelings and temptations. Hallelujah. But you live your life to do the will of God. And there's some suffering involved in that. The Bible refers to crucifying your flesh. Doesn't it? Does that sound like painful? Is <laughs> that something you're going to enjoy? No. But is it something you should do? Is it something necessary to do? Will it involve some discomfort? The word suffer means to experience pain and discomfort. So is there a, a feeling and an experiencing of pain and discomfort that is according to the will of God? Yes, there is. But are there also a lot of people that are experiencing pain and discomfort and it's got nothing to do with the will of God? It's because of their own faults and their mistakes. And there's no glory in it. And there's no reward in it. There's no upside to it. I'll skip on down to verse 12. 
that same chapter. He said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't fall off your chair (laughs) when some stuff starts happening. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now think about this, friends. We, we could already see uh, some, some indication of this about people that have uh, suffered for doing what he told them to do. Experienced pain and discomfort. I mean, there's a whole portion in the book of Hebrews 11 about people that were martyred because of their stand for the Lord and preaching the gospel. People that were uh, sawed in two. Horrible things happened to them. And you may, I mean, this literally physical pain they went through in martyrdom. But do you suppose that when the, the Mountains roll back and the sky rolls back and the trumpet sounds. And in that day when the books are open and everybody sees the master and they see the scars in his hands and they see the, the, the scars in his feet, will it be glory? And how about those that suffered any punishment and pain for following him and endured any discomfort for obeying him that identified him when everybody else was too ashamed to stand up for him. You stood up and you took your lumps and you lost contracts and you lost money and you lost opportunities and you you endured pain and discomfort. But on that day, will it be glorious that you are with the one with the nail-scarred hands? Can you see this? Suffering and Glory. Suffering and glory. He said, verse 14, but if you be reproached for the name of Christ. Now, this is showing us again what you suffer. We're seeing why you suffer and we're seeing exactly what you suffer. What are you suffering? Reproach. Reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. They cuss him, use his name as a byword, say blasphemous things, say he's just a man. I mean, it's gotten worse in the last few years of people and shows and everything else mocking the Lord, mocking him. Saying ugly and terrible things. And they can make fun of us as they want to. We're going to glorify him. We're going to honor him. We're going to speak his name with reverence. They can call us old fogey. They can say we're simpletons who need the crutch of religion. But they're the ones who are deceived. And in that day they'll wish they had suffered for him some. They wish they had taken some lumps for him and stood up for him. On their part he's evil spoken of. On our part. He is glorified. Say it out loud. On my part, part, he's glorified. glorified. In my house, in my my area, in my family, in my life, life. he's glorified. 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 We've been bought with a price. 
So glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are the Lord's. Belongs to him. He said, verse 15. Now get this. This is, this is so clear. It takes the devil's help to get mixed up about this and confused about it. It is so clear. But he warns us, let none of you suffer like this as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer. And look what else. Busybody. (laughs) In other men's matters. That's a meddler. Meddler. You know, the Bible said in Proverbs that a man that meddles in somebody else's business and something that doesn't pertain to him is like somebody that comes and grabs a strange dog by the ears. How many know that is a good way to get bit? (laughs) You see some stray pit bull going down the alley, you don't just run, grab him by the ears and go, hi, pup. Ain't your dog. Ain't your business. You better leave him alone. (laughs) And the Bible uses that to describe people who just won't stay out of other folks' business. They poke their nose where it doesn't concern. And he said, you'll suffer because of that. Look at that verse again. Put it up again. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or busybody in other men's matters. Are people suffering in the world because of stuff they have done and stuff they are doing? And does it have anything to do with suffering for Jesus or suffering for the Lord? No. Actually, this is something that rubs me crossways and irritates me. When I hear people talking about their suffering and suffering for the Lord, and it's obvious. This has got nothing to do with the Lord. This is you being dumb. (laughs) This is you being rebellious, hard-headed, disobedient, breaking the law, breaking natural laws, doing other things. Let's be honest. And have some humility about ourselves. And admit it when we're suffering because of our stupidity. And don't get all spiritual about it. And go, well, you know, the devil's just attacking me, attacking me, attacking me, attacking me. (laughs) In my finances and can't pay my bills. Well, it didn't help that you went and overcharged all your credit cards like a dummy. Huh? The devil didn't have to do anything. He just laughed while you messed yourself up. The Bible said that don't let anybody say when they're tempted that they're tempted of the Lord. For he cannot be tempted with evil and he does not tempt anybody. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, that strong desire. And enticed. So what's going on? It was you. You wanted to do it. So you did it. And now you're in a mess. And don't be hollering. Trying to make it spiritual. Trying to quote verses about how I'm suffering. And I just have to be strong. And suffer for the Lord. No you're suffering for your faults. 
and there's no glory in it, and it's not according to the will of the Lord. Read the next verse here, please. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Hallelujah. So it's suffering because of making mistakes, suffering because of doing evil things, suffering because of your own faults, suffering because of being nosy. Got nothing to do with suffering for Jesus and suffering as a Christian. Now, there's a lot of people in a lot of churches that will say and try to say it or infer that they're suffering being sick for the glory of God. Well, there are millions of people sick on this planet. Are all of them suffering because they're Christians? Many church-going people that are enduring financial pain and discomfort and difficulty. And they'll try to tell you that they're suffering somehow for the Lord. We don't know. His ways are mysterious. But, you know, it's everything is for a reason. Have you heard that before? Well, it must be for a reason. Well, sure, there's a reason. <laughs> the reason could be being dumb. <laughs> but when people say it like that, they infer or imply there is a high and holy reason that we don't understand for all this pain. Is They're trying to say they're suffering for the glory of God, according to the will of God. Do you understand why I get worked up a little bit about this? It's, it's not right. Let's don't do it. Let's stop this. There is a suffering according to the glory of God and the will of God. Suffering because you're a Christian. Why am I suffering? If you're going through some stuff, if you're experiencing some pain and some discomfort, don't fill in the blanks. Ask yourself the question. Let the Bible answer it. Let the Holy Spirit answer Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? And a lot of times we just have to admit it's my fault. I opened the door. If I'd have done what he told me to do, I wouldn't even be here right now. How many times is that the case? And the thing about if you do encounter some pain and discomfort doing what he told you to do, it's still painful and uncomfortable, but there's a grace. I said there's a grace on you to carry you through it. And his grace is sufficient. And you'll overcome. And then there is great reward on the other end of that. Because you're suffering because of doing what he told you to do. Being a witness for him. Accomplishing his plan and will. And there is reward. And there is glory for that. Not just in this life, but especially in the next. That's the kind of glory and suffering he's talking about. Can you say praise the Lord? Let me read something to you. I uh, grew up under Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. He's my spiritual father. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. And uh, he had more than one vision from the head of the church. And I want to read to you out of his book, I Believe in Visions, a part of one of these visions, because it sheds some light on exactly what we're talking about. 
He was preaching in the church, and this was in the early days of his ministry. He's young and excited, and he's preaching in this church, and he got all wound up and worked up preaching, and he decided he'd jump over the altar. <laughs> what are you laughing about? So here he comes a sailing over. They had, the, I guess, this little altar, you know, that you'd come up and kneel down. He sailed over that. You know, man, he's a preaching and sweats are flying and he's flailing his arms. He comes sailing over that. And just about time he clears it, he notices somebody's brand new reel-to-reel tape recorder in his landing spot. They were taping the service. This is back before cassettes and all that. Big old reel-to-reel recording the, the service. Well, he don't want to land on the recorder and destroy the recorder. So in midair, he tries to adjust his flight and lands wrong and lands on his elbow and really hurts it. Man, he's in pain and discomfort. <laughs> he's suffering. <laughs> but he manned up and finished his message and tried not to let it show too much. And after the service, he said, y'all got to take me to the emergency room. <laughs> so, and he just, you know, felt sure that he had just broken bones and messed stuff up because it was really hurting and swelling. And and so they, pastor and his wife and Brother Hagen and his wife, they get in the car and they go into the emergency room. And uh, on the way over, he said, the Lord spoke to him. To him, it was an audible voice. And said to him to just to not worry about it. Let the doctors help him. Are you hearing all this? And just trust in him. And that he would talk to him about this later. (laughs) He said to him it was an audible voice. He asked the other people. Did y'all hear that? And they said no what? They didn't hear a thing. He said to him, it was like he was sitting in the car. So he went to the doctor and they examined. The doctor came in and said, well, no, good news is you didn't break any bones. The bad news is it's worse. Every ligament and muscle is completely out of place in your shoulder and down in your elbow. And your, your elbow is shattered. Some of the pieces there, the main bones are not broken. But, uh, you know, you couldn't stand the pain. So we'll have to put you to sleep and we'll put this back into place. And then you'll have to carry your arm in a sling and a cast. And then you may not ever have full use of it. It'll, it may freeze in, in a partial position. Well, he said he did what the Lord said. He didn't worry about it. Just cast the care over on the Lord. And, and they put him to sleep. And he came to and he got his arm in, in that cast. And, uh, he said uh, in the middle of the afternoon, he's sitting up in bed because he's not sick. He feels good, except for this cast. And he had just eaten some of the food they brought him. He's in the hospital. And he said he heard steps coming down the hall. And he figures, well, it's the nurse. And the door opened and he saw white. And he thought, well, that's the nurse. But then he looked on down. It was hairy legs. And he looked up. He said it was Jesus. Open vision. He said he saw him just as clearly as ever saw any human being in his life. And he said the Lord walked up. 
and took a chair and pulled it around to the side of his bed and sat down and said, I said to you the other night in the car that I would speak to you later about this and I've come to do that. Wow. But now listen to part of what he said a number of things to him, but listen to part of what he said the Lord said. He said, I'm reading out of the book, I Believe in Visions. He said, in my hospital room, the Lord reminded me of what he had told me in the car on the way to the hospital. He said, I told you that your arm was not broken, but that you had knocked your elbow out of place and you had this fracture. And he said, I also told you, now listen, I told you this was the devil's work, but it would all work out to my glory and your good. Did you hear this? Whose work was it that he fell and that he hurt his elbow? Somebody say devil's work. Say it again. Devil's work. See, if it's killing, if it's stealing, if it's destroying, that's not the Lord. I said, that's not the Lord. So this is something that hurt him. It's something that's taken away from his time, maybe his money, his mobility. This is not God's work. He said, it's the devil's work. But he said, it'll all work out to my glory and your good. Don't you like that? Is God bigger than the devil? Is he bigger than the work of the devil? And even something that the devil meant for evil He didn't mean for it to bless you anyway or to give God any glory. But God's big enough that if you do what he says, he can take that bad thing and turn it around. And before it's all done and said, God, get glory out of it. But like we were teaching last week, it wasn't the sickness that gave glory to God. It wasn't the sin. It wasn't the damaged arm. It was the deliverance out of it. It was the healing. It was the forgiveness and cleansing and restoration. Let's don't get them mixed up. He said, uh, I replied and said, yes, Lord, I haven't worried about it for a minute because I know you told me that. And in fact, I've just been having a glorious time in the Lord. Somebody in the hospital there. And the Lord said to him, you're to be commended for taking me at my word. He said, now I want to say this to you. Now listen carefully. He said, this has happened to you, not because it was my perfect will for you, because it's not my will at all. But this has happened to you because you got out of my perfect will into my permissive will. Now, uh, yes, he took a flying leap over the altar. But there's more to it than this. See, so many times something happens and we just look at the actual incident and don't get the full picture Of why, what culminated in the incident. A lot of things were happening prior to that to cause you to wind up at that point in time. He reminded me of the scripture. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect uh, will of God. And he said the Lord explained that he permits people to do things that aren't his will. Does he? Could that cause him some problems? Yes. For example, he said, it wasn't my will that Israel have a king. And I told them so. But they wanted to be like other nations. 
And they kept clamoring for a king, so God permitted them to have a king. And he's told Brother Hagin, he said, some time ago, when you preached to a convention of ministers, you stated that your ministry was that of a teacher and a prophet. He said, you got into trouble because you reversed the order, putting your teaching ministry first and your prophetic ministry second. And when you did that, you've gotten out of my perfect will and into my permissive will, and you've opened the door for the devil to attack you. Now, this is obviously something he knew from what Brother Hagin knew. But over a period of time, he had changed the emphasis of his ministry from what the Lord had given him. And over a period of months and even years now, it's culminated where he's gotten injured from a seemingly innocent fall. So many times people are so short-sighted. They just see the accident, the incident, the problem, the attack. But the real question is, why wasn't the Lord able to protect me from it? Did you hear me, friend? If something happened that's not his will, you could say, well, I zigged when I shouldn't have zagged. (laughs) It's not that simple. How'd you get there? You know, uh, why wasn't the Lord able to protect you, to keep it from happening? He goes into this immediately. He said, you might ask, this is the Lord Jesus talking to him. He said he saw him just as clear, sitting by his, his bed in the hospital. He said, you might ask, if I knew you were going to fall and hurt your arm, why didn't I prevent it? He said, I could have, of course, but I didn't want to. Instead of you being angry with me for not preventing it, you should be glad I allowed it to happen. Because if I hadn't permitted Satan to do this, to arrest your attention, you would not have lived past the age of 55. Because you would have continued in my permissive will instead of my perfect will. Huh. Do you hear this? Now, so people say, well, the Lord let it happen, so he must have had a reason. (laughs) Well, the reason was you're not in the perfect will of God. So to say the thing that happened was the will of God is to say you not being in the perfect will of God was the will of God. If we'd have stayed in the will of God, this wouldn't have been permitted to happen. Can you see this, friends? And the Lord told him, he said, this is the third time I've had to speak to you about this. (laughs) So can you see why we're at this place? Now, I've spent a lot of time around Brother Hagin. He's not a bad guy. He's not an evil guy. I mean, this is a man who loves God with all his heart. But I don't care who you are. You can miss it. You can make mistakes. And if you do, then you open the door for problems and situations where you can experience pain and discomfort. And that's a suffering. But it's not suffering according to the will of God. He said, this is the third time I've had to speak to you about this. And for this reason, I'm going to let you wear your arm in that cast and sling for a little while. (laughs) I will speed up the healing process, however, so you will not be disabled as long as the doctor has said would be necessary. 
And he said, then the Lord told me the exact day I would get my arm out of the cast. (laughs) He went on to say, you have enjoyed divine health at that time for 25 years. Even now, you're not sick. He said, but you have now been out of my perfect will for two years. And you've been walking only in my permissive will. The Lord's very merciful, isn't he? And he's very patient and long-suffering. But you ignore him at your own expense and risk. I mean, you, you can't just ignore him and what he told you to do year after year without getting in trouble. And it's not him coming down on you. It's you opening the door for problems, access for the enemy to get to you. He said, uh, he begins to tell how he got out of socket. He said, although I had been anointed by the Holy Spirit for the ministry of a prophet, I had been uh, putting my teaching ministry first because teaching was my natural preference. And I also saw a great need for Bible teaching and pastors encouraged me to teach. But the Lord told me in the vision, I was going to have to reverse it and put my prophet's ministry first. I realized this accident was not caused by the Lord, but he merely permitted it. The thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. And he said, "In now listen carefully, he said, in order to get my attention and bring about my complete submission and obedience to his perfect will, God allowed this calamity to come into my life. Now that's what a lot of word and faith people and, and charismatic people don't want to acknowledge. And they don't want to admit, but it's the truth. The Bible tells you. The scriptures are there. But we've got to keep reminding ourselves, though the Lord allows something, that doesn't mean it's his will. Or that it pleased him. What would have pleased him is if we'd have just obeyed him and stayed on track. And then he could have kept us and protected us from that ever happening. Come on, can you see that? He said... The master said to him, it is my perfect will that men and women enjoy divine healing and divine health. Is that true? Is that his will for everybody? Everywhere, all the time. That's his perfect will. But see, people have forfeited their rights to his perfect will sometimes, but that didn't change his perfect will. He said, many are like you and are living only in my permissive will. And for that reason, difficulties have been permitted to come their way. Others are weak in faith. Their faith is not strong enough to appropriate the healing that belongs to them. And some don't even know what belongs to them. He said, always pray for people who are sick and in the hospitals and under the care of doctors that I will speed up the healing process because I will do that for you. Thank you, Lord. And there was more detail that he went into. But can you see that that is a perfect example of what the Lord is saying in First Peter about two causes and reasons for suffering. So let's not let people confuse us or deceive us and twist and misinterpret the scripture and say, well, yeah, the Lord, if he didn't do it, he allowed it. And if he allowed it, he must have had a reason. Well, yeah, there's always a reason. But the reason can be us making mistakes. And so uh, if we do, 
if we are encountering some pain and some problems and some discomfort and some lack, we need to ask ourselves, why? Why am I going through this? Is this really according to the will of God? Is this really for the glory of the Lord? Why? And be honest and, and, and say, Lord, if I open the door somewhere, help me to see this. And if you'll be honest, so many times you already know. It's something that you've, we've been talking about this on Sunday, haven't we? It's life that you already had that you ignored and got away from. And it's dangerous not to walk in the light we have, not to do what we know to do. That'll open the door and allow the enemy to cause us some problems. Oh, but if we'll walk in the light as he's in the light, if we'll be willing and obedient, we'll eat to the good of the land. It'll get brighter and brighter every day. And the wicked one touches us not. Because we're kept by the power. That's the perfect will of God. Isn't it? Does it pay to obey? Oh, it does. It pays to obey. Let's go on and talk more specifically. We answered the question from the Bible, why we're suffering. Let's, uh, there is a suffering according to the will of God. So let's answer the question exactly what it is you would be suffering for the glory of God. Uh, 2 Timothy 3. The Lord's helping us, isn't it? Isn't it good to have light and have understanding instead of being in the dark? 2 Timothy and 3. Verse 10. 2 Timothy 3.10. Paul says by the Spirit to, to Timothy. He says you have fully known my doctrine. Manner of life. Purpose. Faith. Long suffering. Charity. Patience. Persecutions. Afflictions. Which came to me at Antioch. At Iconium. At Lystra. The Bible mentions some of the specific things he went through in the scriptures. Uh, the Lord uh, will and will, we'll get to that before this series is over. He said, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Don't you like that? Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And look at verse 12. Yea, and all. Not just a few, but everybody that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. What? Now this is where people have gotten off and gone astray. You'll suffer what? He didn't say suffer being broke. He didn't say suffer being depressed. He didn't say suffer being sick and diseased. Weak? Defeated? No, you'll suffer what? You will suffer persecution. Persecution. Why don't you say that out loud? All, All that live godly, that live godly. In, Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus shall suffer, shall suffer. Persecution. persecution. Didn't say a few of them will. Part of them will. A bunch of them will. All of them will. And you'll suffer what? Suffer means you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience discomfort. But you're not experiencing the curse. You're experiencing persecution. What is persecution? The word persecution literally means to be chased. 
To be chased. It means somebody's after you. <laughs> and they keep bugging you. <laughs> they're after you. And they're chasing you. You know, if we'll let the word enlighten us, our whole perspective of this stuff will change. You know, Peter, he already he cautioned us. He said, don't think some weird, strange thing has happened to you when you get persecuted. He said, you ought to shout. That's Keith Moore paraphrased. Shout. Count it all joy. Didn't the Bible talk about this? How can you? When you realize what's really going on, you realize I have so identified with the Lord and I am obeying him enough that people are doing to me what they did to him. Hey, (laughs) that's something to shout about. That means we ain't just a talking and sitting in service anymore. We really are becoming like Jesus. So much so that what they did against him, they're doing against us. You know, people have written me ugly letters. People have said not nice things about me. But you know, I wouldn't want to be so low profile that nobody even knew about me. <laughs> if you're not making any waves... You haven't jumped in the pool yet. <laughs> Come on. Get in. Get in. And make some waves. Some people like the waves. Some people can't stand the waves. But don't sit on the side and think, well, I'll just be real quiet. Nobody will notice me. And devil, you, I'll leave you alone. and You leave me alone. Okay. He'll agree to it. He'll sign anything you want him to sign. He's a liar. You turn your back, he's going to nail you. So if you got any sense, you'll just be bold and brazen about loving Jesus and being a witness for him and obeying him, and you will catch some flack. You will take some hits. You will. And when you do, you ought to say, glory to God. Glory to God. You remember when the in the beginning days of the church, and they called the disciples in front of their rulers, and they had them. They sent them over to the side and beat them. Remember that? The Bible said they beat them. You know what the Bible says after they, they turned them loose? What is it? They left and they returned rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now that is thinking right. That is seeing it right. Instead of going back, cowering on, I just don't understand. I'm a faith man. How could this happen to me? They beat the tar out of me. And I was rebuking it the whole time. (laughs) No, you can't beat me. You can't beat me. I'm a child of God. You can't beat me in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. And they just beat the pudding out of me. (laughs) Why am I saying this? Because people are doing this. You and I are not redeemed from suffering persecution. You don't make confessions against it. (laughs) Pray earnestly that it won't happen. (laughs) Oh Lord, I don't want to be beat. I don't want them to beat me. Please, please don't let them beat me. (laughs) Satan, I bind you. You can't, (laughs) they can't beat me. Yeah, they may. (laughs) The word and faith people need to hear more of this. Yeah, they do. There is a suffering. 
that's glorious. A suffering that works perfection. A suffering that brings reward. But it's not suffering being broke. Now think about this. Let's be reasonable about this. How does me being deathly ill help you? Huh? If I was deathly ill, I couldn't be here preaching to you tonight. How does it help you more, me being in the bed, throwing up and can't get no rest? How does that help you? How does that help you? So how does that glorify God? Me being broke. Us being broke. We were up with our uh, friends at Caminetti's up in uh, Canton, Ohio. And man, they have got a place. God has given them a church. I mean, it's the jewel of the city. You can't miss it. It's gigantic. It's 300 and something thousand square feet. Huge. And they had to stand for years. And uh, God did it. And it's amazing. It's beautiful. And we were talking, you know, about it. If they and us and others like, if we didn't believe in prosperity, you'd never see anything like that. The Lord did it. But he's got to get you to believe it. And cooperate with him. And we have taken flack. People have talked so ugly about me. I mean just recently. Just last week. People said ugly things about me. You know. Somebody got upset about the sign up there. (laughs) Why can't we have a sign? Do we have to have a cheap sign? Why can't we have a good sign? But you see, what am I talking about? People have gotten, this is not just three or four people. Millions of people are just bogged up in their mind over this stuff. They are in bondage. They can't see it. And me being broke, you know, we were able to do some things for that orphanage. We were able to send vehicles and money in the mission field. How does it help them if we're broke? How does it help you that Phyllis and I are in poverty? Our car's 30 years old and leaks from every place and we're living in a little shack. How does that help you? How does that make me more spiritual? How does that make me more holy? The Bible said that uh, a poor man's words are not heard. Isn't that something? Well, does the Lord want this message heard or does he not want it heard? Should we be on every available voice? Should we be on the TV and the internet and the printed page and buzzing around all over the country? Huh? Does that take money? Does it take money? Yes. And what's wrong with that? I'm talking about people are suffering. God's people, children of God are suffering because of extreme poverty. Aren't they? There's people don't, God's people, it's born again, don't have enough to eat tonight. They're hurting, they're suffering. And yet their church has told them that some way or another it's the will of God. And he's getting glory out of it somehow. How? How? It's not helping me. It's not helping you. Who's it helping? Being broke, not having your needs met, being sick and not able to go has nothing to do with glorifying God. It's part of the curse for breaking God's law. And we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. No, we hadn't been redeemed from suffering persecution. 
But we have been redeemed from suffering the curse. Come on, do you believe it, friends? So can you see how that people have taken these verses and not understood what they meant and just twisted them and taken a piece and, and filled in the blanks? And Yes, it says that, but what does it mean? What do we suffer? We suffer persecution. Listen to some other scriptures along this line. He said in uh, Acts 5, we already quoted this, but it said they departed from the Acts 5.41. They departed from the council and rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer what? Shame. Suffer persecution. That's people being after you. Chasing you. Harassing you. Hounding you. I know you don't like it. I don't enjoy it either. But it's part of standing up for the Lord. And also suffering shame. The word shame literally means being despised. Being despised and dishonored. And a lot of people are mousy about their witness and their Christianity because nobody wants to be despised. Nobody wants to be looked down on as ignorant. Nobody wants to be looked down on as uh, superstitious and weak. But there are times when you got to speak up. And it'll cost you. And people will make fun of you. They may not do it to your face. They may do it behind your back. But you know they're doing it. But if they are, it means your light shining. It means you're actually standing up for him. And it's not something to be ashamed or embarrassed about. Look people in the eye. The stronger you get and you walk with the Lord, you'll be like this. You won't have to try to make yourself be like this. You'll be like this. I know Brother John Osteen, years ago, he was at a car dealership. I guess he was transacting some business and got in an elevator to, and this guy was, uh, this salesman was just cussing, 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 blowing smoke in his face and just cussing, using the Lord's name in vain. And this went on for several minutes and they started to go upstairs. And when the door shut, Brother Osteen's got a captive audience now. He said, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. He said the fellow about dropped his cigar and backed up. What? What? He said, you going to cuss him? I demand equal time. I'm going to praise him. Well, he's obviously not intimidated and not ashamed of the Lord. <laughs> well, what'd that guy say about him after he left? I don't know, but who cares? Let me tell you something really help you when it comes to the Lord helped me with this many years ago. Somebody had said some really lousy stuff about me and I was kind of taking it seriously. And the Lord said, you're missing something. I said, yes, sir. He said, who are they? I thought, yeah, who are they? So what does it matter what they said? Who are they? So when people say, well, so-and-so said this, you need to stop and go, who are they? Because who are they reveals, if it even matters, that they had a thought or said something. (laughs) Somebody who's totally ignorant and whose opinion doesn't matter at all, you should not lose any sleep over what they said. (laughs) Don't mean you can't love them. You can still love them, but you don't have to take seriously what they say. Do you see the difference? No. 
<laughs> shame. Suffer shame for his name. First Thessalonians 2 1. First Thessalonians 2 1. He said, Brethren, you know our entrance to you that it was not in vain. Even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God with much contention. Treated shamefully. Paul was treated dishonorably. How many remember Jesus was treated like a criminal? Wasn't he? He was spit on. He was scourged. Crucified like a murderer, like a thief, like a criminal. He was shamed. He treated shamefully and despised and dishonored. And if they did it to him, they'll do it to you. They'll treat you shamefully. But don't take it to heart and don't get down. Rejoice that you're counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And instead of talking about being sick for the glory of God, how many know if you're going to take a beating like that, you got to be strong. you got to be healthy to deal with all this. And to keep getting up like the Energizer Bunny and go keep come back and go again. I mean, no, it's the exact opposite of being sick and broke. You need abundant resources and abundant strength and health. To believe God and keep going no matter what they say about you. No matter what they do to you. You just keep on going. Can you see this? Another thing you you suffer is reproach. What do we suffer? We suffer persecution. We suffer shame. We suffer reproach. Hebrews 13 and 13. said, let us go therefore to him without the camp bearing his Reproach. His reproach. First uh, Timothy 4.10. He said. Therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God. Who is the savior of all men. Especially them that believe. Reproach is being. Uh, excuse me. Is being criticized. And scorned. Have you ever been criticized? Huh? I said have you ever been criticized? What about if you're really living for the Lord, what can you expect? Some criticism. And is that bad news? No, it means you're actually in the pool. You're in the pool. You're moving. Making some waves. <laughs> is it always a blessing to be criticized? Depending, you know, sometimes it comes from people, you say, well, who said it? And sometimes it's a person that you'd rather hadn't said it. Somebody that you do care about them and what they think. And it can be painful. And it can be uncomfortable. But don't fall off your chair. Don't lose your joy and your peace. Are you doing what he told you to do? Are you standing up for him? Then bear the reproach. Deal with the shame. Deal with the persecution. This is the kind of suffering that he's talking about. Not suffering being sick and broke. Suffering persecution. Suffering shame. Suffering reproach. Suffering affliction. And pressure. Pressure. Because you're endeavoring to obey the Lord. And yet, if you do that, our text we read earlier, after that you've suffered a while, what will happen to you? The Lord will perfect you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. you he will settle you. Does it sound like you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water? 
Something else that Brother Hagin said to the Lord about some of this. We mentioned the word affliction and tribulation. Can you take just a little bit more of this? I, I don't want to rush it. I don't know that we'd get back to it and I want to finish it. Can you do it? Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. He said, persecutions and tribulations that we endure. First Thessalonians three and four. He said, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. The word tribulation and affliction means to crowd and to press and to pressure. To pressure. To bring pressure on. This is suffering that is according to the will of God when you do what he tells you to do. The enemy will try to pressure you. He'll do it through people sometimes. Try to pressure you. Push you. Crowd you. And you got to stand up. And not yield to the pressure and bend to the pressure. Brother Hagin said years ago he pastored a church. And it was a, basically a split church that hadn't split yet. <laughs> he said half the people sat on this side and would never sit on that side. And the other people sat over there and they just glared at each other. They had had some problems before he got there. And he said, man, he'd pray and study all week and get up in the pulpit and preach his heart out. He said it was like throwing a big rubber ball. And it just hit the back of, like it hit the back of the room and just come back, boom, slap you in the face. His preaching. He'd preach and preach and it just, just bounce back and hit him in the face felt like. And they just sit there and glared at each other. And he said, weekend after weekend, after the Sunday night service, him and Miss Aretha would go home and they're laying down to go to sleep. He said he'd tell her, if I didn't know that the Lord sent me here, I'd go get a U-Haul trailer right now. I'd just back it up to the parsonage, load our stuff up. We'd be gone in the morning. Gone. If I didn't know. But a lot of people didn't just say, you know, I, I feel like it. They did it. They, because if it's uncomfortable, they left. What Are they experiencing some pain and discomfort? So there are more ways to hurt than physically. And yet, he said, every church that the Lord sent me to was a troubled church. And it was difficult in the beginning. But they just stay with it and just keep believing God and just preaching the word until people started forgiving each other, loving each other. He said sometimes all he could preach on was love in heaven. But he said when he got everybody thinking about going to heaven and loving each other, <laughs> they'd eventually get past it. And then they could go on to other things and, and get to victory. What is that? That's our text that we saw. He, they didn't get to go where they wanted to go and do what they wanted to do and leave when they wanted to leave. They suffered discomfort and pain having to put their flesh under and stay hooked in an uncomfortable place. People don't always appreciate you, but that doesn't mean you can leave. Did the Lord send you there? Well, then you best stay. And after you've suffered a while in that situation, the Lord will perfect you and strengthen you and establish you and settle you. You will grow up. There are so many Christians that they've been born again 20, 30, 40 years and they've never grown up. They're still spiritual babies because every time they get in a situation where it's a little uncomfortable, they bail. They quit. They bail out of their job. They bail out of their marriage. They bail out of the church God sent them to. 
And if he's able to get them in another situation that's good, soon as it's uncomfortable, they bail out of that. You'll never grow up. You'll never develop. You'll never mature. You have to stick it out in the painful, uncomfortable places. Don't you? And having done all to stand, stand. (laughs) And you stay with it. He that endures till the end shall be saved. (laughs) Second Corinthians 6. Is there a doctrine of suffering in the scriptures? Yes, there is. But are there reasons why people suffer? Right reasons and wrong reasons. And then, what exactly are we to suffer? We've seen from the scriptures a list. Persecution. Affliction. Shame. Reproach. Is that the same as being broke? And being sick? No, it's not the same. Listen to this. To somebody who would know. Second Corinthians. Six in verse four. He says, in all things approving ourselves as ministers of the gospel, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness and knowledge and long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and left, by honor and dishonor, evil report and good report, deceivers and yet true, unknown and well known, dying and behold we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet making, always rejoicing, as poor but he didn't stay there, making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Does this sound like an overcomer? You might have been knocked down. You might have been challenged and tried. But he didn't stay there. He came out on the other side. You might have started out poor. But you wound up making many rich. You might have started out in dishonor. But you wound up in honor. Come on. Can you see this? Did he go through some stuff? Yes he did. But was he defeated? No he was not defeated. Look in 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. And 23. 11.23. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundantly. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often, of the Jews. Five times received I forty stripes, except one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's usually enough for most other people. <laughs> Nothing else happens usually after that. But then three times... I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I have been in the deep in journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness. We'd say dangers, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, nakedness. And beside those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now this is an extensive list of pain and discomfort. You know what is conspicuous for its absence? Being diseased. Being diseased. Come on, can you see this? 
I mean, if being sick was the biggest part of it, surely he'd have given us some detail. No. How many know, if you're going to go through beatings and shipwrecks and stonings, you got to be strong. I mean, if he was that sick and weak, a couple of rocks would have took him out. Wouldn't have been no three beatings. Then it hit him five or six times and he went on and fell out. You got to be supernaturally held up and strong and quickened and healed and kept to go through what this man went through and keep on going and preaching the gospel for Jesus. Come on, can you see this? Did he suffer? Yes, he did. But he didn't suffer from the curse of the law. He suffered. Is this persecution? Is this affliction? Is this being treated shamefully and reproached? Yes, it's obvious what he's suffering. And this was according to the will of God. And will he experience reward forever for it? (laughs) Partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. In conclusion, go to 1 Peter 2, please. 1 Peter 2. I I like the way the Lord did this in this passage because he knew how people would think and how they would twist the scriptures and some of the uh, unscriptural suffering doctrines they would come up with. And listen to what he says. We read this earlier, but but look at it again. 1 Peter 2 and verse uh, 19. 1 Peter 2, 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were we called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. We need to distinguish between Jesus suffering as our substitute and Jesus suffering as our example. You cannot suffer and bear for Jesus what he bore for you. Nobody can suffer vicariously for another human being because Jesus has already paid the price for their sins. Did you hear me now? And for you to act like I'm suffering so my son can get saved, I'm suffering so my grandparent, I'm so, no, no, uh-uh. You're not Jesus. And he's already done this. And what you can do cannot add to what he has done and he doesn't need anything added to what he has done. Come on, are you listening? And there are all kind of goofy, twisted doctrines. Or people say, I'm suffering for the salvation of my house. I'm suffering, you know, for, for this to happen. That, that. No, no. Jesus is the one who was our substitute and bore our sins, carried our sicknesses, carried our pains. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He became poor. He became sin. Nobody can ever do that again. Nobody. But... He suffered also and bore persecution because he stood up and did what the Father told him to do. And in that respect, he suffered as our example. And we can follow in his footsteps and suffer like he did in that regard. He allows us to partake of his sufferings in that area. 
But none of us will ever be the substitute. Can you see this? And so he talks about this suffering according to the will of God. But right in the middle of it. Do you know what comes after verse 23 that we just read? 1 Peter 2.24. And to me it's like the, it's like the Lord was said. Now lest you get confused about this. I want to remind you that Jesus, his own self, bare his, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. <laughs> so it ain't talking about suffering, sickness, and disease, because he took care of that, and by his stripes you were, y'all gonna suffer some stuff, but not this. By his stripes you were Heal. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us that these sufferings are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. They're just for a moment, just for a time. And they work an exceeding weight of his righteousness and glory. Are you willing to take some bumps? For standing up for him. Are you willing to take some flack. And be talked about. And be pressured. And be treated improperly. Sure. Sure. Because his grace is more than enough. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.